Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Behind the Bar podcast brought to you by RT Fitness Durham, Sunderland, the Barbell Club, the Barbell Club online. If you need any information, all links are underneath and there'll be a link to uh, Joe's Instagram as well. This is Joe, Sunderland coach Joe. Um, Raid, crack in, crack on, crack in. So Joe, why are you in the fitness, fitness industry? How long have you been in it? And why are you still here? So, always been sporty, fitness-related person. From being little, I always wanted to be a performance-based coach. So, my background and education took us towards performance analysis. Uh, so, I've always been in it, really, from kicking a football when I was, what, six months to growing six up. Months. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally six months. Uh, as soon as I was on my toes, that was life. Like football was life, brought up through football and then kind of went to uni, college, done my master's to analyse performance. But then it was a case of, do I just want to look at performance or do I want to look at a broader audience? And then I obviously picked my PT call up through uni and just thought, I don't have to just look at performance, I can look at the whole area. And if I can help people achieve where they want to be, then I get the best, best of both worlds. How long have you been here? Where? <laughs> Fitness industry. Uh, nine year. Is eight, it? Yeah, eight year, nine year. And when did you start? Day 22. When you were 22? Yeah. So I was carpet fitting, but PTing. Where were you then? Just anywhere I could pretty much PT. Oh, was it? Yeah. What, like at different... Um... Just fields, doing like daft programs for the lads, anything. Right. Huh. Literally just to build a base up and then ended up working, PTing on a morning, carpet fitting during the day, PTing on a night until I had a big enough client base to just go right all in. And then where did you go from there? So went to a gym in Durham, PTing in a gym in Durham, wanted to do my own small group personal training they kind of put the stoppers on it so i was like right i'm leaving and then it was a case of look elsewhere look for a unit to do it myself and then obviously got taught on a luke in ultraflex luke which i kind of guess sport you are sport you and then joined rt and how about you were thingy before that weren't you what's it called unique no before that David Lloyd? Yeah. No, so it was in between. So I went unique, unique, David Lloyd, unique. Ah, uh -huh. uh, right, okay. Because, so basically what happened was, I was at unique, worked for unique for Canny Wild, got offered employment at David Lloyd. So I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll take it. Like, and then you know you've got an income kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. It was more the security at that point. So I took that, was there for four weeks was down in London on a training course when COVID hit and obviously it hit the south of the country first. We got told down there on the training course on the Wednesday, go home, they're shutting the gyms and they shut the gyms on the Friday. We literally went straight back to what they call base, which was Doxford Park and they were like, because he's a brand new six month, pro six month probation, years have been released. Because it was a few months, because you had far however long we were in lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah and, and because, like, I left Unique on good terms, so as soon as they found out, Aaron and Phil were like, oh, 
come back, help us out during the lockdown, and then as soon as we open back up, you can come back in. What did you? So what did you? So were you getting paid at all during lockdown? Not a penny. <laughs> so I didn't get I didn't get anything off the government because my last employment status was employed. Right. Where if I hadn't gone to David Lloyd, I'd have been eligible for all the funding. Yep. So I got shagged basically. So, so uh, if I if I didn't have savings, I'd have been fucked. Right. Like literally fucked. So you managed to have savings. Yeah. God. Not a penny for like four or five months, wasn't it? And then we, we opened. July? We, I for how long? And then we shut again. And then we locked down in the November again for four weeks, and then back in for three weeks, and then closed for four months after that. Yeah, but all throughout COVID, I done online classes for Unique. Right. So it was literally, I think I done three or four a week for them, just kind of help them out. Really, just kept me moving. I still had a few. Not online clients, but I was giving them bits and bobs. So, like, I was setting, I basically did it in the form of done challenges. So, like, the first challenge was 5k a day, 100 burpees, 100 squats. Second challenge was 5k a day, 100 sit ups, 100 press ups. And literally, like, the amount of people that were jumping on it was fucking insane because it was either that or nothing. Did you do any of the, the now when you were helping them out online, did you do any of the Zoom classes? But they didn't do Zoom. Oh, did they not? They'd done Facebook Live. Oh, yeah, same yeah. thing, yeah, yeah. That's all the classes I've done, yeah. And did you have to do Four them from home or from the gym? No, home. Did you? Well, it, did, <laughs> it varied. At first, when they just shut everything down, yeah. there was a few in the gym, and then it was like, right, you, we can't even come into the gym, do them from home. So it was literally in the kitchen, Nana Margaret sitting in the sitting room, <laughs> like, what are you jumping around for? And I'm like, they in a class, man. But that would be done. But like the amount of people that were jumping on them, because... It was either that or you couldn't do anything. Same for us. I mean, you, you, would, you, know, you wouldn't have even seen any of our stuff, but this room had just been done out, so literally it only just been painted. It's been yeah. painted since, but it was this room and it was a mat here. Yeah, I know, I know some of them have said, like, even when they started reopening, they had, like, one mat each, one mat, dumbbells each, yeah, and yeah, that was yeah. like, come in, that's your station, make sure it's nip and clean before you leave. Yeah. But, they all had to wipe the wipe the spray the um, spray the mats yeah. down at the end. Obviously, one mat that had to stay on that. It was just something basic, like forty five seconds on, thirty seconds off, times five, and then they did X whatever from there. And then the next day when they came in, it was like very similar, and they just it just moved around type yeah. thing. But yeah, I think it was just a case of doing anything to try and keep a hold of people, as in for their benefit, just as much as ours. Yeah. Because it was so easy to go and see Well, you either went one or two ways, didn't you? Yeah. Like, I'll, I know for a fact, first and second lockdown, my fitness and shape was insane. Right. Because I was running every day, training, doing whatever I could. And then literally when the third lockdown hit, I was depressed as fuck. I was like, <laughs> not again. Like, I literally kind of did again. Didn't train at all. Literally done fuck all. And I was like, and then... We had to open back up and do it all again. I was like, fucking, if they shut again, that's me finished. Like, I honestly think if we shut the gyms again, I'd have stopped, I'd have left the fitness industry. In fact, I can guarantee that because it was a case of I can't afford them to shut again. Yeah, because of the period of you yeah. not getting paid, that's a long, like long in, time. Like in two years, I think, how long were we open within two years? About four months. 
Yeah. But, uh, so it was like 20 months of no pay. Yeah. It was, uh, I think, no, I think we were five, five, six, ten months. It was ten months total, I think, we were closed all together within the space of two years. Yeah. yeah one, two. Oh, no. That was in a year, actually. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, because we were only actually open. Um, Shut in the March, and then it, we opened in the July, so it was only like the August, September, October. We hit November, and then that was closed for a month, and then December we're back for three weeks, and then we were closed for another four months, so within a year. Yeah, Fucking so like hell. less. Jesus, yeah. It was, uh, well, I did the same as you. So I did, so the first lockdown, because we had to start selling online, because we lost a lot of clients, obviously, yeah. but Lord stick with us, which was mint. But I was trying to prove that you can lose weight doing online Zoom yeah. classes. So it's like I went straight into diet mode, fucking all out happy clapper. It was actually quite fun to be fair. And then when that November one hit, even though it was only for four weeks, I said again, right, I'm gonna lose 10 pounds this month, everybody with us, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I hate me fucking life for it. Cause Sarah was bad most of that month. So I was doing the mornings and the night Zoom sessions. Yeah. And I felt as though I was dieting all year round. And then when it came to that January, whichever one I closed, I was good, I'm going full bulk. Yeah, I, can't I think be, the, I can't be the hardest part for us as coaches, I think, was when you're doing a, a Zoom or a live video class, you have to join in. Yeah. So, like, the clients are maybe doing one a day, but then you've got, like, three or four. And you're yeah. absolutely fucking pagged by the end of the day. Yeah, we were doing three. We were doing one carnage, one barbell, and then one carnage on the night. Yeah. So I was always doing at least the two in the morning, back to back, and then Sarah would do the night one. Yeah, so why are you still here? I love it. <laughs> I literally, like people say, it's n people say like when you find what you love, it's never a job. Like it'll always be a job. But for me, it's not about loving it. It's a fact. You should. You never. There's never a day where I wake up and I don't want to go to work. Like you always want to get to work. You always want to help people out. Like it's not even just the job. It's like people. Like I'm a proper people person. Mm. Like I will literally talk to fucking anyone. It's like what Alex once said, and he says he just fucking loves getting up. Yeah, it is good. That's the thing, especially if you're coaching on the floor. Like you get up. Yeah. Oh, see, so yeah, I fucking hate getting up. Like nobody <laughs> will tell me. Like I don't believe anyone can enjoy getting out of bed. Me? No, nah. I do. You I didn't. love it. I absolutely love it. There's fucking no chance. I do. I'm like you're literally lying in bed, tucked up, nice and warm. Like, you look out the window, it's fucking freezing, and you're like, nah. But once I'm up, like, my stage is, once I'm up, brush my teeth, I'm fine. But That's that, a, like, um, that five-minute block from getting out of bed to brushing my teeth, I'm fucking sick of my life. I suppose I'm not getting out to go out. Yeah. It's only when I'm covering you, so it's like... For me, like I, I do get excited to get up because that's my pace time to crack on with work. Yeah. So I do like, I'm, sometimes I wish I could sleep longer, but I don't. Yeah. And I am looking at my watch like, right, five more minutes, yeah. get up. It's not, <laughs> like I love the going to work, the people, but getting out of bed, I fucking despise. <laughs> Honestly, like hate it. Have you ever been late? No. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what that is. It's only once, won it? <laughs> once in two and a half years. It's fucking not bad going that. Not at all. To be fair, fucking most of the coaches. And I didn't turn my alarm off, it actually didn't go off. Okay. <laughs> 22 stone teenager. 
<laughs> you knew I'd ask it. Yeah. So one of the main reasons I've never wanted to do a podcast is because I knew this story would come up. And for me, I don't think people should... I don't want to tell my story because I'd rather tell client stories. And I think people should come to me off the bat of the results and progress I've made with other people, not myself. Which they have, though. Oh, yeah, they have. But then... You like built this, your business on that already? Yeah. But then this just kind of always comes back to, like, talking about me. I know. Where, but do you, I, not, do you not think you're in a position or not? Oh, yeah, I do. And, like, I know, like, I can understand things that pe- that of people who are in my position now that people who haven't been in that position can't understand. They can see they know where they're coming from, but really they can't. But I'd rather someone come to me and say, I've seen X, Y, Z results. Not, or I've seen you've done it, so you can help me do it. Hmm. I still wouldn't go to somebody, though, who had only done it themselves in a way. I'd want somebody who's probably tried and tested. Yeah. Because when I, when I first seen your Instagram, obviously when I researched you before we even got on the phone, like it was just result after result after result. Yeah. It was nothing, not even a picture of you. No, I don't think that, I don't think I ever, ever put a picture of me on my business Instagram for like a long, long time. It's probably been since this last year, hasn't it? Yeah, and that's probably only because we're having to now social proof. Yeah. Like I had a personal Insta where the only people that would follow us, I would let follow us as people that I was close to. Yeah, that's how mine yeah. was as well. But now obviously got rid of that just to kind of social proof the online so people know who we are. But like, I've always said, yeah, we need we need social media because of what we do, and like it's such a big platform. But I would happily wipe the lot off, like <laughs> honestly, like because not just for that, I think it's becoming more, it's depressing people more than it's educating people, right? Because there's that much false information out there. There's that much. When do you ever look at Instagram unless you're searching for something you want to learn and come off happy? By the way, you've really swerved your own story there. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I get it with the social media. I'm, I'm going to fucking veer back to it though. Um, but people have the power on their happiness in social media by just following the right people. And blocking the fucking rest. But people don't know who the right people are. Example being, like, I'll go back to JD on a night and I'll just literally go in, walk on the treadmill because I can't stand the cold, so I won't walk outside. So I literally just go in, headphones on, walk on the treadmill, and I'm looking around and I can guarantee that 90% of the exercise I'm seeing is what someone's seen on social media by someone in good shape that they've just thought, well, if they're in good shape, it must work, so they're doing it. Like a booty band squat, like something. Yeah, like walking on a fucking Stairmaster and doing glue kickbacks. Yeah. Walking sideways on a Stairmaster. And I'm like, I never ever go up to them and say anything because, like, I keep myself to myself when I'm in a commercial gym. But, like, that's because of the false information they've read or watched on social media that they think they're going to get in the shape they want to by doing shit like that. 
and how many of them are wasting the time every day, hours, because someone's put a video on talking shit and giving false information. So who do you like? Who do you see following the fitness industry yourself? Coach Mark Carroll, who he does bikini comps. Uh, his missus was actually world champion. Right. So he's obviously the proof's in the pudding. He's done it. He's got yeah. clients doing it, and then not actually many others. Right. And so this is the rate. Like you're not watching other coaches. Because to say for your happiness point of view from that, you're not watching another coach and being, it's not depressing you. Yeah. Because you're not following them. Yeah. It's like, I only follow two. Yeah. And that's it. And it's just because I think I find the, like I follow James Smith, I know you don't like him, but it's because, not because of his training or anything like that, not because, like, not because of his face, physique, but it's just the way he articulates things. Yeah. And I like the way that he says things, so it's like I get a better understanding of how... I think he's, his language is common. That's why so many people like him. Yeah. He doesn't try to, like, dance around stuff, use big words. He resonates. Yeah. Like, with, with if the you're average. the common person and watch that, you understand exactly what he's saying. Yeah. And that's how we, like, I always feel as though that's how I've got to obviously talk to our clients. Our clients yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's always good. And then there's only one other, but it's a bit of an anomaly. I was saying on the last podcast with uh, Matty, I fucking hell, I'm forgetting his name now. Um, muscly dude, but not over muscly. Probably good looking. I'm sure I said this on the Matty podcast yesterday. And all. Luke Watson. Uh, not Luke Watson. <laughs> He's muscly, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, man, what's he called, man? It doesn't matter in any way. But I only follow two. Yeah. And that's it. And But the, the second one is because I'm interested in the way that he does his content and understanding how he gets, say, the views and the reach and stuff like that. So it's from more of a business side of things. But I'm never he, he, I'm never going to have his physique. Yeah. I know that. But it never bothers me. I'm never looking at it in a negative light. Yeah. Even that, like, oh, he's got a massive following, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not looking. I'm looking for inspiration. Yeah, I probably follow more food, more food pages than I do coaches or anything. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite food page at the minute? Ne one for bait. Ne one. That must so be it's Newcastle. the postcode, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they basically go around Newcastle, Scranton, and it just looks fucking tremendous. <laughs> and I'm all for it. So 22 stone teenager. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get the 22 stone then? <laughs> Being a pig. To be fair, nothing nothing's changed mentality-wise then than now. Right. Because I could happily go and sit and eat the same as what I would eat then. Right. Because my love for food's never changed and it never will. Like, if you've been coached by me, you know my body changes from winter to summer. <laughs> and the likelihood is, without even knowing, you could ask one of my clients if I've got a holiday booked. Yeah. <laughs> because I'll be trimming down. And you're saying no to the Friday cakes. Yeah. And like, people will be bringing stuff in. I'm like, can it. Like crying at the same time. But I can't. <laughs> but like, just excessive doing what I love. When in reality, you can't do that. But I'd fucking love to do it again. <laughs> I know, you always... <laughs> it's mad that your perception of going from, like you've said it before, I'm going to get lean so I can get fat again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> honestly, like... Winter months, for me, it's a fucking dream. 
But even but even even it's since I've known you, you've never went back to when you first started. Oh no, like I'll there, I'll think... probably go back up to maybe like 17, 17 and a half. Yeah. And then I'll come back down to fifteen for holiday. Yeah. And then as soon as holidays are over, I'll go back up to seventeen and a half. Because I think when you first started with me, you were just clusping back up because it was after all the lockdowns. Oh, uh, it was. You close to twenty again. Now it was nineteen, wasn't it? Or nineteen flat. I can't remember, but it was heavy. Yeah. And I, when I was looking at you, I was giddy. You can't be that much. Yeah. But you fucking were, yeah. Because then you started to dive straight in, didn't you? Yeah. But I've <laughs> like I've told Ruby like when I retire, I'm getting fat as fuck. <laughs> Wheelchair style. Oh, like not move, just like just sit there and just. Do you know what it is though? I don't even enjoy take. I enjoy takeaway now and again, but for me, it's. And don't get us wrong, not everyone's in the position to be able to do this, but going out and sitting and having food when you're out, like going to restaurants, trying different places. So like everyone knows, like my favourite meal is Sunday roast, going somewhere else every Sunday for Sunday roast. Like it's not as if like I sit, want to sit and eat fucking pizza and kebabs and shit like that. Like I like to go out and like nice food. But if it's nice, I'll order twice. <laughs> That's going to be like the, uh, <laughs> the, the caption. real caption. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice, order twice. So if you were like, so how many times a week would you, like like now, say go for that Sunday roast? Is it every Sunday? Not at the minute though, is it? Not at the minute because we would be shredding. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it would be every Sunday. And we right. always try and find somewhere new. Yeah. Like every Sunday, like no matter what, where we're going. But yeah. Ruby's done well, obviously, all last year. She's done mint, but still being able to have that then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that was because she'd pull, she would pull her calories down during the week. Like, Monday to Friday, she'd be, like, fucking immaculate on a slightly lower calories than what she really needed to be on so we could have that enjoyment on a weekend. And were you just say maintenance calories? Yeah. During the week? I, like, at one point, I wouldn't... I refused to reduce my calories, so... I up my steps because I don't want to lose food. I'm the same on that front. Like I won't, unless obviously I'm I'm shredding down. But I've only done that properly twice. Yeah, where it was like two thousand three hundred ish. Like that's the lowest I can ever go. I'd rather up my steps. Yeah, same. And it's even same now. It's like I'm on two seven or two seven fifty ish. From there, I'm on around twelve thousand average steps. If I wanted to eat more, I just walk to the restaurant. Yeah, or something like that. A park. I'd much away. rather increase my expenditure than reduce my calories because food's fucking the best thing in the world. So that segue is quite good, and um, some hints and tips because so if you so for a, say for a client who's saying, "Can I reduce my calories?" I haven't got this right down. I'm just going off that. Yeah. But like where they say just doing ten thousand steps, I want to reduce my calories down. Uh, 1,300, 1,200, yeah. 1,000. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's, it's, a, it's very specific to individuals because as coaches, we're in the gym all the time. And I do think it's a lot easier for us to get the steps in, make sure we're training, where if you've got a family, kids, kids doing stuff on the night, kids doing stuff in the morning, weekends took up by football, swimming, whatever, sometimes they can't increase expenditure. So I think it's very specific to each individual. If you can increase it, then good. But then sometimes the best option is to pull the calories down. I think it's very individualised to each different person. 
So how the fuck in this modern dear world and the convenience of eating and packaged food, high calorie just snacks everywhere, how can they pull it down to see a sore law, which for, I just want to get out there, I would never ever recommend to anybody, but. So what, it, what do you like, mean? Like say if they went down to 1200, like say I want to go to 1200 calories because I'm only getting 8,000 steps in, I work at my office all day, I take the kids to school, I pick them up from school and then I take them to classes so I can't get any more steps in than what I'm actually getting. But sort of the only way to lose weight is say going on lower calories. But how the fuck can they do that with today's eating? How can they fit? Oh yeah, like how can they fit just twelve hundred calories in yeah. a day? Like I said, everyone like losing weight is one of the hardest, if not the hardest thing in the world, and it's only getting harder because of how convenient everything else is becoming. Like you can literally walk along a high street now and go home with two thousand calories in a bag for your dinner. And you, people, don't, you don't even have to do that. You can put your phone up and get a Greg's order oh, in a minute. But like, and I know it's something to do with how many employees they've got or something, but now stuff's got to be caloried. But then I think there's that many people that's being miscoached. They don't even look at the calories anymore because they're frightened of thinking they're overeating. So they just kind of block it out altogether. Right. So rather than saying, right, that sandwich there's 500 calories... They don't even check it. They'll just get it and eat it because they think of being miscoached for years and years and years that they've got a 1,200-calorie marker. That sandwich is going to take them over by the end of the day. But if they don't worry about it, it doesn't matter. Hmm. But I think all of that, <laughs> that whole process comes down to being miscoached for years. So like an out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So how, to, how, how would you fucking coach somebody on that then? <laughs> I think you've just got like, to be, you've got you... to be brutally honest. Yeah. And like at the end of the day, people who come in at our, people who come to RT that have been coached before, wherever they've been coached, obviously hasn't worked. So I think the best thing people can do when they start anywhere new, not just RT, is forget about everything you've been taught in the past and go in and listen to whoever's telling you what to do. That's easier said than done. Oh yeah, of course it is. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like it all comes down to being miscoached in the end and misled information on whether it be coaches or social media because mm. there's that much false information out there. It's fucking killing us. But I can use some examples of here because so like where we do get new clients but and everybody likes to try something new for these people who have hopped from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, they come in, I've only lost two pounds this week, Joe. Yeah. I normally lose 10 in my first week of doing something. Because they're getting starved. But like, they don't see that. So how the, f oh, this could go on forever, this bit. It's like, how the fuck can you if, if get them not, out of that? Yeah. Jim Hopman mindset type. They've got to be willing time. to learn. Like they've got mm -hmm. to come in with an open mind because if they're not, then everything we tell them, they're just going to revert back to, well, I used to do this and I lost more weight. But if that was successful, you wouldn't be standing in front of us now. Mm -hmm. It's funny how people do that because whenever I've, say, signed up to business coach, whatever else I've done, I've just completely went all in. Yeah. Like to the letter of like, if someone says, right, this is the blueprint and I'm paying money for it, it's like, yeah, I'll follow it. If I hired a coach to coach me with me training, with me nutrition, I'd, 
I'd be paying it and I'd be going for it. Yeah. No I don't know what my like I um, don't know why people look at coaches and PTs in a different mindset that they look at doctors and financial advisors, for example. For example. Mm. Like if you were going to a doctor, whatever they told you you would listen. If you were going to a financial advisor, whatever they told you you would listen. And they're professionals, we're professionals. So literally, if you come in and you're paying for a service, listen, because what we're telling you is blueprinted on all of our results and what will get you to where you want to be. That's why I'd want that. <laughs> it's funny that, actually, it's a good comparison, that, because I, I know, obviously, we're never going to be seen as serious as doctors or anything else, yeah. even though doctors are in the industry of treatment, but we're in the industry of prevention. Yeah. So where our our industry is in the prevention from the treatment. So fuck, I mean we're basically saving lives. Oh yeah, like we're <laughs> we're trying to stop you having to go to the doctors. Yeah. And like another thing I say to clients is like, if someone comes in and says, right, I want to lose this amount of weight, right? How long did it take you to put that weight on? Yeah, I always use that one. As and well. if they go, oh, it's probably I've probably haven't done anything for three years, then why don't you expect it to take three years to get it off? Yeah, I always use Because, them. for example, if you've put a pound, two pound a week on for three years and you That's lose. A <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, uh, like, you should have that mindset of, right, it's going to take that long to get off. But we're but the, filled with the six week quick fixes. Yeah, blah, but blah, blah, blah. I think the problem is when you're not tracking your nutrition, you don't, it's never a thought process. You're not consciously thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. So, like, the days just fly over. Yeah. But when you are actually having to track your nutrition, it seems like a longer process, even though there's the same amount of hours and same amount of minutes in a day. <laughs> I think we could go on for that one for a long time, couldn't we? Right then, where we're at. 30 minutes sorted. Right, let's go to the uh, tips. So biggest tips um, for the everyday person looking to lose weight. Simple, say simple. Like what, say, I'll use an example. Let's say 14 stone woman wants to get down to, say, 11 stone um, for our son's wedding in six months' time. She hasn't done anything for five years. Um, used to be into classes and that before that. What simple tips would you give that person? Um... Don't jump in head first. Like, you can't go from 0% to 100%. Like, it's physically impossible. You'll last three weeks max. Right. And you'll die off. So you're talking, like, say, the Jan January people like, where they want to train seven days a week yeah. type thing, yeah. Like, literally, go in. Remember that 5,000 steps a day is better than four day. 6,000 is better than five. Work your way up to ten. Once you get a 10, do the same. Can I go to 10.5 this week? Work your way up. Same with your training sessions. Literally, if you're resistance training or if you're cardio training, do the exact same. Build your way up. Don't go in the gym and think, right, I need to run 5K today. Because if you haven't trained, 5K is going to fucking blow your hoop out. Go in and maybe just run for a minute, walk for a minute. Like people go in head first, too deep, think this is far too fucking hard and then drop it out so if like for example for the for our our group big group big group training program uh, team carnage we see a minimum of three times a week yeah 
Like, would you say that's too big of an entry level? Or? No. You've got no. seven days in a week. Right, okay. You've got seven days in a week, carnages, say, an hour, 45 minutes an hour. What's that in percentage? You're talking like fucking one and a half percent a week. Yeah. It's still hard to get them to change the thing from there. So that's the simple one, just build up slowly, nutrition-wise. Exactly the same. Right. Literally, don't go in headfirst to 1,200 calories because that's what people think. They think like, I've put a bit of beef on over Christmas, haven't done anything for six months. I'll start and track my food, I'll start on 1,500 calories. It's impossible. Like, it's physically impossible. Do the exact same as what I've just said for training. So, like, start on 2.5, see, see what results you get the first week, see what results you get the second week. Right, I'll go 2.3, do the exact same. 2.1, do the exact same. Because then your body adapts with your appetite. Yeah. And, like, James Taylor was on about it, and he was saying, like, the first couple of weeks of the shred, he was was the hardest because his body was still craving what he did over Christmas. <laughs> and like it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the more sugar you eat, the more you crave it. Yeah. So like he was still craving sugar because he'd eat that much sugar over Christmas. But then once your body's got rid of sugar, you don't crave it as much because your body knows what it's kind of going to get. Pure protein. Uh, just <laughs> meat all the time. Good stuff. I like that. Hmm. But it's it's got so many questions. I suppose you could put into into that because yeah, I think probably one of the biggest things from there from earlier what you said. Fucking listen to what you've invested in. Yeah. <laughs> but it, go, it goes back to like obviously if it was a doctor it would be private. But if you were paying for private healthcare, you wouldn't not listen. You if you're paying, listen more. Yeah. If you're paying for financial advisor, you'd listen more. Like whatever you're paying for. Everyone seems to listen other than coaching and personal training. Right. When in reality, you're paying for potentially 10 extra years on your life. But people, what's this short-term thing and the long-term thing? Are they like waiting for something? There's a, Matty would have known this word. A delayed gratification. Yeah. No one can have delayed gratification anymore because the, the three times a week you put into, say, this year of the gym, is going to help you in 10 years' time. Oh, yeah, but nobody wants that. They want to help them now. They want £20 off. Yeah. Right. Thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs>